house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun, and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I've won. Welcome to the show. We got BG, Zach, Randy all calling in this week, all at the same time. It, it's it's a miracle. We haven't had that in a long time. Big episode this week. We are previewing the start of the Big Ten football season. Boys, let's start with the Michigan-Minnesota game. College game day coming to town. We've talked about all of that already, but getting into the nuts and bolts of this Michigan team. BG, they're going to start Joe Milton at quarterback, not a ton of film on him, uh, but he seems dangerous, and P.J. Fleck talked about that uh, today when he was addressing Michigan's team, and the reason why he's dangerous because there's not a lot of film on him, and he's athletic, he's you know pretty big guy, he can run the ball, he can throw the ball pretty well, and so you're a little worried. Have him come into their stadium, first game of the season, first game really since, I mean, they had no spring ball, so you're going all the way back to last January when they played Auburn. First time this team is going to have live, you know, snaps. It's going to be really, really interesting going into this game with really no preview for either squad. Yeah, first off, I'd say that I'd say that this game is one of the best rivalry games in the country, just based off the the award, the name of the award that's with the game, which is the battle for the little brown jug. So hopefully, we can get that little brown jug on our sidelines after the first game. But, yeah, I think that the Gophers are obviously going to have a tough task at hand for the first week taking on the Wolverines at home. Um, now with Harbaugh. Harbaugh. And we've only played him one time, Harbaugh, that is, with T.J. Fleck at the realm. So we'll see what happens after the first loss that came to him back in 2017, I believe it was. Yep. But, yeah, I think that the Gophers are going to win this game by our offense and outperforming Michigan's offense and not necessarily getting stops on defense because we kind of took a blow to our defense last year with the, with the loss of Winfield, Kamal Martin, and Carter Coughlin all going to the NFL, where on the offensive side we still have major key pieces like Tanner Morgan, our running backs, and Rashad Bateman obviously coming back. So I think the offense has to shine this weekend, and they're, they're going to shine because we have a very talented offense, extremely talented for uh, gopher standards so uh, i'm just excited to see the gophers come back and i think the offense is the key to victory and i'm hoping and i'm expecting this to be a close game and, and a really fun game to watch yeah you mentioned the little brown jug and michigan dominates uh this matchup historically they've won 75 games to minnesota's 25 and there's been three ties in the overall 103 matchups so Michigan historically has dominated. Not really a big surprise when you look at Michigan, a blue blood uh, football program who has national championships and everything to go along with it. Obviously, they haven't been as good uh, the last 20 years or so. But with, with Harbaugh there, and I think it was his first 20, his first 24 games, they were 20-4 and four with only losses to Ohio State. Uh, and maybe one other loss mixed in there, but really they were dominating everybody else in the Big Ten besides Ohio State. And in his last 24, Harbaugh, not nearly as dominating, kind of a shaky uh, last couple of seasons for Har- Harbaugh, and they really have not been able 
to play well against Ohio State. So when Michigan comes into these games against the rest of the Big Ten, and they're favored in this one as well, surprisingly, uh, by three and a half points right now. Actually, it might be three. It was three and a half when I wrote this down. But I'm, I'm a little surprised to see Michigan favored by three points. Again, no fans in the stadium, so that makes a big difference playing on the road for Michigan. But, but a little surprising to see. Uh, BG, you did mention that Michigan beat Minnesota last two, the last time these two teams played, 33-10. to 10. That was on November 4th back in 2017. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Minnesota has not beat Michigan in, in a long time, and this will be a great opportunity with Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Ibrahim's coming back as well, and, and then Whitham as well, the tight end, Seth Green. I mean, and then basically the entire offensive line. This offense is going to be ready to go. Losing the offensive coordinator, uh, Sharaka, over the offseason to Penn State. Obviously, you got to replace him, and that's going to be not an easy task, but when you return your quarterback and your veteran quarterback, especially in a year like this when there was no spring ball, I just think that gives you a big leg up on the competition. And so hopefully that comes to fruition on Saturday. Yeah, and I think that this matchup is much different than the matchup we had in 2017, um, the last time we played Michigan in our ball. Uh, and much of that is because of the players we have, but I think even more so, it's just P.J. Fleck being more accustomed to the program here with the Gophers and kind of setting up that system and that process and rowing the boat. We're now in his, I don't know what year it is, from four maybe or three with I, the I Gophers? five. <clears throat> I want to say this is year five. I'll, I'll check that now. Okay, and yeah, and it's fifth year with the Gophers, so... 2017 would have been his second year. Just so much more established with um, the coaching staff he has with them, with the offensive side of things, the defensive side, and people are buying in uh, the type of program he's laying down for the student-athletes. So I think that from 2017, I think you said 33-10 to 10 was the final score. I, I don't expect that at all this, this upcoming Saturday because this Gophers team might be the best Gophers team we've seen in our lifetimes um, for the start of the season. Last year was definitely the best Gophers team in our lifetime, but in the beginning of the season, if you remember, they were shaky, and we <laughs> there was a couple of games against bottom Division One teams that we barely won. Um, so I think this is a big test for the Gophers still after winning 11 games last season to start off with a big win against a big-name school like Michigan, a ranked team. Um, and it kind of from the start show that we are legit, which so many people were doubting last year. This is a new team, and we have new players, but a lot of the people remain on the team. So a, a big win against Michigan at home as underdogs um, is something we need to do to have potential for the playoffs, which I think if we fire in all cylinders throughout this year, uh, we're talented enough to make it there, and we have the coaches we need to. Yeah, and this is year four. You were right, year four. Uh, for P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, we do have some needs to, to replace on that defensive side. Seven starters in total to replace from last year. Uh, so they're going to have to step up. Big task for Joe Rossi in that defensive unit, and that's really the big question mark uh, for me and this Gophers team coming into the season. Is the defense going to be able to replace uh, the playmakers like Thomas Barber and uh, Carter Coughlin and Antoine Winfield Jr.? That, that were so dominant last year in those big games, Winfield making huge interceptions. Uh, but you do have some pieces back there in the secondary 
that were a part of that Gopher defense a year ago. Uh, Benjamin St. Juiced and Jordan Howden. Howden obviously made that big interception against uh, Penn State to seal it. Uh, and so those guys are going to be huge having them back. Both of them played well in the bowl game. Ibrahim, uh, a running back, played really well in the bowl game. I mentioned Whitham as well, the tight end, number 85 he wore last year. I don't know if he's wearing that same number, but he had some huge catches uh, as well as a one-handed catch on fourth and one to really help clinch that bowl win against Auburn. And he also had a touchdown in that game on the goal line. So I expect him to step up this year and have a big year. And it will be fun to watch. Michigan will be trying to replace four offensive line starters from last year, as well as their best receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's out uh, to the NFL now. And then Nick, Nico Collins, uh, their second best receiver from last year, opting out this year. So really, their best two weapons uh, on the outside at receiver are gone for Michigan. And then you got a new quarterback in Joe Milton trying to come in there and, and replace offensive production with a entirely new offensive line. So it's going to be a tough task, but Michigan really all their chips right now are on the defensive side. They got a really good defensive line and it will be a task for this Minnesota offense. Can they pick up right where they left off last season, dominating Auburn, really dominating Auburn. I mean, you look at the front, uh, the front seven that Auburn have, I mean, that's an NFL type roster with Derek Brown headlining that going in the first round last year. And he really made some good plays in that game against Minnesota, but Minnesota made him a non-factor. I mean, he was not a game-changing player, and he didn't play to his full level in that ball game. And that's a credit to that Minnesota offensive line. And I expect them to pick right up where they left off and be able to run the ball from the get-go and the RPOs and the play action. It should be fun. And I'll just say this last thing. I think the more we talk about it, it's just making me realize that it's kind of insulting that the Gophers are underdogs in this game because Michigan's a good team. And, yes, we are at home and there's no fans. And that definitely plays into it. But, I mean, it's insulting after the year we had um, going with 11 wins. And as you said, there's so many new faces on the Michigan offensive defense. The Wolverines are coming off in offseason where they lost 14 starters to the draft or by opting out. So I don't know if it's seven on offense or seven on defense, but say it is, that's an insane number mm-hmm. that you have to replace. 14 starters to the draft or opting out. So with the team that the Gophers have – Almost all of our offensive guys are going to be there. We still have a good defensive core. I mean, just more approved for the Gophers. And we saw that last season where people still doubt because it's the Gophers and we know what is the Gophers pro- program as of, as of late. So, I, I don't know. I'm just excited for this game and the season to start and to prove the, the rankings wrong and show that we are a legitimate team again this season. And we'll have to go out and prove that Saturday. Yeah, last note I have here on the Gophers before we bring in Andy for a little preview on Iowa and Purdue. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, watch out for him. I mean, he made some plays last year, and it's not like he's a sleeper coming into this year. He's our number two receiver. He's going to have a big year, and he's going to climb uh, the rankings of receivers in the Big Ten. And I think he'll end up being him, and Rashad Bateman will end up being the number one and two receiver in the Big Ten, especially uh, in the Big Ten West. Uh, and there's some good receivers out there, but I expect Ottman Bell to step up big time and take over the spot that Tyler Johnson played in last year. I, I was watching the Penn State game earlier this week just from last year, and he had that tunnel screen against Penn State where it, it, it looked like Tyler Johnson. He's got all the ability to do it. He was number three receiver last year on this team that would have been a number one receiver almost anywhere else in the Big Ten West last year. He, he's going to be a force, and, and I expect him 
and Bateman to have huge years for the Gophers. Andy, let's move over to Iowa. New quarterback starting for Iowa, Spencer Petras. Uh, and obviously you guys lose Tristan Worfs along the offensive line, A.J. Epinesa on the defensive side, and you lost a bunch of linebackers in secondary as well. How is Iowa faring uh, with no spring ball, kind of a weird offseason, trying to do all of that and then replace uh, a quarterback and all the defensive guys you lost? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> starting on the offensive side, we still got Tyler Linderbaum and Alaric Jackson. And Alaric Jackson is going to be a, a, a first-round draft pick on the offensive line this coming year. Linderbaum, his ceiling could be uh, another first-round draft pick. Um, our offensive weapons at receiver between Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset is one who his ceiling is, you know, a really second-round pick. Um, definitely someone uh, going on the second day in draft day this next year. The defense is one where um, I'm just looking at Iowa over the past 10 years. I mean, we've had seasons where we've lost a lot of playmakers on defense, but, you know, we always kind of seem to step up. The, the biggest down years have been when uh, we're switching out quarterbacks and it's just getting that quarterback is, um, you know, his first year under his belt. And uh, Spencer Petras is Rumored to be uh, one of the best new Iowa quarterbacks uh, in a long time since uh, uh, all the way back to Ricky Sandy, um, who is uh, who is America's quarterback still uh, ten years after uh, his Orange Bowl performance. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, I think the underrated player on the Iowa offense that America is going to come to know this season is Monte Tadabam. Who's our fullback this year, replacing Brady Ross? Brady Ross, you might remember, was a, a barstool football guy of the week nominee last year. He looked like he was 45 years old and a father of four. <laughs> uh, Monte Potterbaum has a uh, has a mullet that rivals that of uh, Joe Exotic. So uh, take a chance and, and Google him. Check out his Instagram, social media, whatever. But his hair is just fantastic, and I mean. If you have enough confidence to rock the hair that he does, then I, I mean, I'm not worried at all about the, the offensive play this year for, uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, though, the down years do come when you got a new quarterback. But why is the excitement so high with Petros? Has it just been his play in, in practice that's so exciting? Or what, what's been the reason for the excitement about him when you have no spring games? Yeah, Kirk Ferentz is one who he, he never hypes up players. Uh, he started releasing two deeps a couple years ago, but you don't really read much into him. Um, I, I think sometimes he just, it seems like he kind of just throws in, you know, seniors and juniors on those uh, on those lists every week to kind of just, um, I don't know, it's a sign of respect or to honor him. Um, but uh, last year, prepping for the bowl game, uh, I, I if I remember right, Kirk Ferentz spent more time talking about Petra than did about Nate Stanley, um, about how ready Spencer Petra looked last year. Um, and he's a completely different type of quarterback, as I've mentioned on the show before. Um, a little more mobile. Uh, he's 6'5 from, uh, from California. He looks like he's straight out of a, you know, some teen drama show on Netflix. Um, you know, the just the handsome, the handsome, youthful, blonde quarterback. Uh, you know, he looks the part, but I mean, the big question is, can he, can he play the part? And, um, I mean, Iowa last year, you know, 10-win season, but, you know, 
all of our losses were within were by no more than seven points, and we had I think four or five wins uh, that were within the score too. So, I mean, I couldn't tell you what Iowa's record is going to be this year, but if I had to guess, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if all eight games are within one score, win or lose. That's that's my best bet for okay. uh, the Hawkeyes this year. That's a very safe bet. But uh, is Iowa a contender then in your mind in the West? I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard. I mean, just with COVID and everything, um, I don't know if it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's the honest answer is um, my gut tells me that it's going to be a horse race between uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. That's um, just going to come down to the head, head and head between those, uh, those three teams. But, I mean, Nebraska, I mean, they get so much hyper of year. It's just so hard to believe that it's, you know, any time. Um, Nebraska, Northwestern is a team that, you know, one year they can go, you know, not be bowl eligible, and the next year they can make the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I feel like after week one, uh, after week one, we're going to know a lot about the Big Ten West in particular. You know, who's good, who's not, who has a chance. Yep. Um, so that's why I'm excited about, you know, the show next week. Uh, not just talking about Iowa, Purdue, Michigan versus Minnesota, but I mean, look at all the the Big Ten West game. I mean, Nebraska's got a tough game out of the gate against Ohio State. I mean, if they lose that game, but if they keep it close and look like they can hang with them, I mean, then I think it's changed a lot of things. And I mean, I, I don't know if, if a lot of people have money on uh, on futures bets uh, for the Big Ten West uh, champion, but um, there's not one team that really sticks out to me so that um, you know I'd be willing to put money on right now. Yeah. I think you're. It's fair to say that that Iowa has a lot of question marks, especially when you have a new quarterback coming in in this COVID year. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's go through the the Big Ten West here. I have a couple of notes about every team, uh, and if you guys have stuff, just go ahead and jump in. Uh, but let's start with Wisconsin. Obviously, losing Jonathan Taylor, uh, the best, the, the second best running back in the league for the last three years uh, in the Big Ten and probably in all of college football. So that's a huge huge hole to replace Wisconsin historically at least it seems like in the last 10 years just keeps churning out line or linemen and then running backs one after another so it doesn't really matter it seems like what they lose they just replace it next year uh, so you are losing Jonathan Taylor and it's hard to replace that I, I don't expect whoever their running back is that's gonna I don't know who the running back is but there's no way he's gonna play up to that level at least initially uh, along the offensive line uh, you lost some pieces as well, but really on the outside, you lost you, you lost your best receiver in Quintez Cyphus. I mean, he destroyed the Gophers last year. Without him, they really don't stand a chance in that game because there's really no deep threat uh, on the outside to open up that run game like they did for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but the Badgers are rebuilding on the fly. I mean, they lost three O-linemen, and their defense lost some pieces but, but they're going to have a good defense. I think the question mark is on their offense right now. Jack Cohn is out indefinite with a foot injury. Um, I don't have their quarterbacks, their new quarterback's name on here, but I don't know who it is, but it's going to be a big question mark uh, is who can step up for Jonathan Taylor and who can take that spot for Jack Cohn until he gets back. Um, anything on Wisconsin for you guys? I mean, I all I have to say is kind of like uh, kind of like Iowa, where you know there's uh, there's certain parts of the offensive defense where they're just going to keep churning out guys. I mean, Wisconsin's a team that 
you look at their history over the past 20 years over a couple of different coaches, I mean, I think they've been eligible every year. They have, I think they have the second best record over the past 20 years uh, behind Ohio State. Um, I mean, that that culture there is one where I mean, they're going to win I mean, usually at least eight or nine games in a full season. But, um, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably pay them with, with six, six wins this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, they lose a lot of people, but I mean, it's a program that's always had you know, new people step up, and um, like you said, Brady, especially on that offensive line, and they'll find some running backs to rush for two thousand yards in a eight game season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it's I think it's the one team in the Big Ten West where um, there's not a, I mean, there's still question marks, but I don't think as much as some of the other teams in the in the division. Yeah, I would agree with that, and and like you mentioned, the program. Uh, it kind of says that for itself with, with what it's done uh, in, in the last decade. Uh, Wisconsin, to me, is going to be either a first or second place team. Uh, I will pick them second uh, to finish second in the Big Ten West. And Iowa, we've already talked about, I'll have them finishing third um, in the Big Ten West. Let's go on to, uh, to Northwestern. Excuse me. Um, Northwestern has a pretty good defense. They're going to have a solid defense this year. The question mark also for Northwestern is on their quarterback, Peyton Ramsey. He transferred from Indiana, uh, and then they lost their best receiver from last year um, to Notre Dame, grad transfer to Notre Dame. So it's hard to imagine the Wildcats really doing anything uh, this year, unless our boy O.C. Mati B uh, just jumps off the page and has an unbelievable year. Uh, I don't see a ton of promise with the Northwestern team this year, but you never know. Good coach, and they have a good program up there. So you can always be surprised uh, with Northwestern. I wouldn't be shocked to see them uh, challenging for this Big Ten West title at the end of the year, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them near the bottom of the league as well. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of all for Northwestern. Uh, Moving on to Nebraska. Uh, Somebody you talked about earlier, Andy, and I think Nebraska really has no chance uh, in the Big Ten West this year. I think they're overhyped again. Uh, they lost J.D. Spielman, their best playmaker on offense. Um, their quarterback, Martinez, haven't seen him play a ton, but I'm not really sold on him. Can move pretty good with his feet, but they have just such a tough schedule with their two crossover games being Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, I mean, that's as bad as you can get on the crossover games. And then they have Iowa and Minnesota on the road, Minnesota to end the season. I don't see uh, a lot coming out of Nebraska. I don't think they'll be in contention in the Big Ten West. I would see them finishing towards the middle or, or bottom of the pack. But they also had a bunch of close games last year. I think they lost four games by uh, three points or less last year. So you flip some of those games, and it could be at the middle of the row, uh, middle of the Big Ten West type season for Nebraska. Did you hear about that um, That whole discrepancy between and that uh, controversy between uh, Nebraska and the Big Ten, how they wanted to um, leave the Big Ten right at the start of this and all because they they disagreed with what the Big Ten was doing. They wanted to play. And yeah. so in turn, I think from either trying to make the Big Ten look bad or for whatever reason, they, uh, people are saying that they gave Nebraska purposely a very hard schedule uh, in giving them Ohio State and Penn State for those two crossover games. Um, so I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I know Dan Patrick, I think, talked about it a little bit oh. on his show and how he said it was he was confirmed. I thought someone had said that. Um, or, I'm sorry. I thought he had said that it was confirmed. He had heard from somebody 
Um, but like I said, it, it could just be speculation, but it, it would make sense. You know, those are two really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that, that, that conspiracy. Something. Yeah. We'll definitely promote that here. I, yeah. I love conspiracy theories. Uh, so yeah, let's run with that. Yes, I mean, but you gotta, you gotta give Nebraska as well as Ohio state some credit on getting the big 10 back and, uh, operating this year. I mean, those were the two teams as well as Iowa, I think that were really pissed off about the original no big 10 season. Uh, so give them some credit too for, for helping get this season rolling. Yeah. Let's move on yep. to Illinois. Um, Illinois, Illinois still sucks, but they have their best team they've had under Lovey Smith. They might, you know, shock some teams like to beat Wisconsin last year on a last second field goal. I could see that happening again to, to a Wisconsin or an Iowa or a Minnesota, but I don't expect uh, Illinois to really be competing uh, for this Big Ten West title. I think they'll finish middle of the pack and maybe shock a couple of teams, but nothing really to fear out of Illinois other than getting upset maybe. Moving on to Purdue. Yeah, go ahead, Randy. Oh, I was going to say, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but uh, I always wonder how different Lovey Smith's career would have been if all it would have changed in his career is that he would have beaten Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> he's definitely not coaching Illinois if he just wins one more game as a as an NFL yeah. coach. Um, I mean, his his fall from from that is uh, just it it's just unbelievable. I mean to be a um, get where get to where he is and now be coaching a bottom feeder in the in the Big Ten, but. Just want to put that out into the ether. It's something I think about whenever I, whenever I'm flipping to the channels on Saturday, and I see, uh, I see Lovey Smith in his Santa Claus beard. Yeah, I mean that's it, that's what football is, though. It, it's a game of inches, and you get one more inch, and sometimes you know things can go a completely different direction uh, in the game, in your life, and in your career. Yeah, it's it's a good point, Randy. Crazy. He almost won one with Rex Grossman too. So I mean, you know, you do that, and <laughs> you might be coaching the Bears forever in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Purdue. Uh, Purdue is a good offensive club. They got to probably, at least going into this season, uh, from the Big Ten analyst side of things, they have probably the number one and two receiver the, uh, combination with Rondell Moore and David Bell at receiver. Uh, and I don't know if they can really stop anyone defensively, but offensively they're going to be able to score some points. It'll be on their defense. If they can get some stops, they'll have a chance to win some shootout games for sure. Uh, but Rondell Moore and David Bell will be the best one-two receiver punch to start the season. I think uh, Bateman and, and Autumn Bell will take that over by the end of the year. Uh, but some good offense uh, out of Purdue. Uh, and that will bring us to Minnesota. Here we go, boys. Here is why I think we are going to win the Big Ten West. And some of this will be kind of repeating myself from earlier. Um, but we returned the best quarterback in the West, the second best quarterback in the league. Uh, I heard somebody say that's the best quarterback not named Justin Fields uh, in the Big Ten, and I like that a lot. And in a crazy year, in a COVID year, it's even more important that you have a good quarterback and you have a quarterback returning, uh, and we do. We have that. We have most of our offensive line back, Daniel Falale, didn't play in that game against Auburn, and I don't know if he's going to play. I think he's set to play on Saturday, but I think he was his health was in question um, the last couple of weeks. But I think he's relatively healthy, should be good to go for this season. Uh, and, you know, we stood toe-to-toe with one of the best defenses last year and one of the best teams in the SEC and one of the best teams in the country in Auburn, and we beat them. 
without one of our best 400-pound, 6'9 offensive linemen. And we controlled the offensive line. We handled them at the end of the game. Defensively, we, we did enough. I mean, you've got to be excited about this team. You did lose your OC, like I mentioned. Uh, Kirk Chiraka to Penn State. Mike Sanford Jr. will take the reins for the offense this year. But I really don't expect a whole lot of different play calls. I mean, this is a team that runs slants and uh, and covered two pill shots to, to Rashad Bateman on the outside as well as the RPO. I mean, we've done that for the last couple of coaching regimes here. The playbook really hasn't changed. I expect them to do a lot of zone runs again, and I don't expect any sort of uh, lapse, I guess, from the change in OC. Defensive side of things, we mentioned all the pieces missing from last year. Kamal Martin, Carter Coughlin, Antoine Winfield, Thomas Barber. In total, I think it was seven defensive, uh, defensive starters missing from last year. So like I mentioned, Jordan Howden, Benjamin St. Juice at corner, those guys are going to have to step up in the secondary and make some plays. I mean, we're going to be missing our biggest playmaker from last year, Antoine Winfield Jr., and somebody is going to have to step up and make some production. Uh, but like I mentioned, with the quarterback coming back, with the offensive line established, I think Ibrahim is going to be a beast in the backfield, and we're dominant on the outside with receiver. If we can find a way to get some stops, this Gopher team is going to have a really good chance to win the Big Ten West and finally get to a Big Ten championship game. Uh, BG, Andy, Zach, any comments, any thoughts on my prediction of Minnesota winning the Big Ten West? I think it's going to come down to the Badgers and the Gophers. Um, I think those two teams will be the most dominant this season. And I think that it's going to be tough to beat out Wisconsin, especially later in the season, this delayed season when the temperature gets colder most likely going to favor Wisconsin and the run-heavy offense that they have. So I'm excited for the season to begin, and hopefully the Gophers can start off on the right foot. I love it. I love it. Zach, any thoughts? Gopher football. I know you're not a huge Gopher guy, but any thoughts? Gopher football heading into this uh, big one with Michigan. Yeah, no, no, not too many um, critical thoughts. I I love the Gophers, but I'm not as uh, – analytic when it comes to the gopher football team as you guys are so um you guys if you stole the words right out of my mouth i'm excited (laughs) let's go through pick segment here we got everybody here um bg do you have the picks pulled up yep okay can you read those off i don't have them in front of me right now yeah so last week i'll just go over those quick let's see everybody went two and three across the board so we all did equally poorly. Mm. Um, in the lead right now is Beal. He is the only one of us who is over 500 on the season <laughs> mark. He's 10, 9, and 1. Um, so good for you. And then I am second with 9, 10, and 1. I don't really know which percentage is better, or I guess in this case worse, but Zach and Randy bring up the rear. Uh, Randy is eight, ten, and two, and Zach is seven and nine. So we got to do better <laughs> as a group, <laughs> as you can obviously hear. But let's get into this week's pick. So we did three NFL games, one college game that you can guess, and then one F- upset. Um, we'll start off with the Green Bay Packers, who are three and a half point favorites on the road at the Houston Texans. 
Um, I will take the Packers. Go ahead, yeah, Randy. I gotta take the Packers too. Okay, thank you, Zachary. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think my pick is pretty obvious. Yep, I'm going Packers too, and I could not believe that the line is three and a half. I thought it'd be around seven. All right, uh, yeah. second game: Steelers at Titans. Titans are one and a half point favorites. Yep. I got the Steelers. The Beastly. I have the uh, Steelers as well. Randall? Yeah, I got the Steelers. I, I think the big question this week is going to be how much that Devin Bush injury impacts that defense. But I still think they pulled out. Yep, I'm going with the Steelers too. That'll be a fun one to watch. Two 5 0 teams. See who's really looking oh. Is that one of the latest uh, 200 beauty teams that play each other or not? Not even close. Um, I don't know. Probably There's not. three or four undefeated teams left in the league this season. But, yeah, I don't know how that compares. All right. Um, moving on, we have the Detroit Lions at Atlanta versus the Falcons, and the Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites. <laughs> I got the Lions. I got the Lions as well. Go Lions. All right. I also have the Lions. Um, okay. Uh, Zach, and now we go to the college. Just a go. sidebar here to answer Zach's question. The Patriots 8-0 played the Colts 7-0 and in week 9, 2007. That was That's wow. so sick. Peyton and Brady. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Eugene, back to I you. think we're all going to have the same answers here. Yeah. Uh, we have the Gophers at home uh, versus the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan is three-point favorite. Yeah, I'm taking the Gophers. This is a no-brainer. can't believe uh, Michigan is favored by that much. I can't believe they're favored at all, especially by three points. I'm hammering that all day. Put the farm on it. Yeah. Yep, putting putting the farm as well. <laughs> I, didn't know you guys, I didn't know you guys had farms, uh, so I'll put my farm uh, <laughs> on it too. <laughs> I'm going to go more closely related to the Gophers athletic facilities, and I'm going to put the bar on it. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yep, that's thank you. Good. Damn, thank that's you. good. Missed that one. Just a good opportunity. Yep. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and lastly, it's the NFL upset, so your upsets will win. Uh, I got the Bengals at plus three. I cannot remember who they play right now, but Bengals. The Browns. That's right, Browns. Thank you. Zach? I got the Bears at plus seven. I don't know why they're plus seven. Uh, the Rams. The Rams, okay. I've got the uh, the Niners. Uh, who are they playing again? I, I don't know. I also I also have the Niners, <laughs> but I can't remember. <laughs> I've, got a uh, old I've got a couple old fashioned eight tonight. Uh, things are starting to blur. <laughs> I think they play the Patriots. Yeah, they play the Pats. That's right. Yeah, 49ers yeah. Patriots. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that was a bad job all around on our part. Um, but, yeah, that'll be – yeah, so that's the week seven wake-and-take picks. We are doing pretty bad collectively, so hopefully we can get in the green here this week. Uh, we're, we're either all going to get in the green or all going to get in the red because we pretty much have the same pick. I know, but, this is ridiculous. Yeah, we we'll actually, check that next week. We have, to give, we have to give Zach a few picks to make up. How many is he down in the overall again? Is it easy five picks down? So let's see, we've done 
twenty. He's four. Four picks down. Okay, let's give him four extra games right now. Okay, let me go. Right. To, Hang on, let me get the spreads up. Bovada. Uh, Bovada is not a paid sponsor of this program. <laughs> but if, if if someone from Bovada is listening, we would love right, to sponsor. Zach, you ready? Yep, ready. Go. Let's start off with last night's game, but you're going to be calling it before last night's game. The New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are five point favorites. Going out, uh, we're going Eagles on that one. All day long. Okay, all day long. And we'll go to the next one. It's still already because it's keeping it easy for you. We have your team, the Buffalo Bills, 12 and a half point favorites on the road against the New York Jets. Ooh. Nobody circles the wagon. Bills, you're picking against Cashman. That's right. That's right. Uh, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, my friend. <laughs> oh, you gotta say, Someone like used to say that. Berman. You gotta say like you gotta say like Berman. Give me his voice what? again. What does his voice sound like? No one circles. Nobody the circles wagon the wagons like, like the Buffalo Bills. Like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that was a horrible. Bill. Yeah, we're gonna cut that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, BG, last uh, game. Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. So, so Buffalo, okay, we need two more. Or two more. Um, we got your team, your team, the Carolina Panthers versus New Orleans Saints. Saints are at home, and the Saints are seven and a half point favorites. Wow, so the, bank, the Panthers can lose by six, and I win that bet. That's what that means. Yep, let's go Panthers. <laughs> okay, nicely done. And last of all, we're going to, let's see, we're going to go to I, the Mile Mil- High City. Andy? Oh, I was going to say uh, Iowa Purdue. Throw a little college football in there. Iowa minus three against Purdue. Yeah, let's do it. Um, sounds like a snoozer of a game. Uh, let's go <laughs> Purdue. Purdue He's or Purdue? Purdue. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, Purdue probably. Purdue in this case. Yeah, it's a team. All right, so at the end of the week, we'll be at 24, 25 picks. So good deal. All righty, good stuff. Um, We'll recap pick segment next week on Monday uh, and give you guys an updated standings. And we're going to do a better job of doing it every week and updating the people every week. Uh, So, yeah, that's pick segment. The people need to know. And let's move on to the World Series. Zach Schefter with us again here. And Zach tied up one to one now going into Game Three. Uh, what's kind of what's been the big storylines, and what have you seen uh, from both sides really in this in this World Series so far? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, Bill. Uh, good to talk to you again. We um, I've been watching it uh, the last couple nights here, and it's been it's been super interesting. Uh, game One was the, the Dodgers through and through. It, it was a pitching. It was a pitching duel up until probably the fourth or fifth, um, and between Kershaw and, and Glasnow, and Glasnow wasn't looking totally sharp, but he had, you know, they were they were doing well, and the, the Dodgers broke it open, so they they won Game One, and it kind of seemed the general consensus was that the Dodgers were going to take this probably the distance. I don't know. Some friends and I were talking that they might might even sweep, um, but then last night something weird happened, and a lot of people are confused about this. That Walker Buehler, the Dodgers considered the, the ace, even though, I mean, Kershaw, he's their, um, their veteran pitcher, but, I mean, Bueller's been un, unhittable. Um, and 
he was on full rest last night and could have gone, but they decided to go game three for him. And um, a lot of people are really confused. I know A-Rod and, and Ortiz and Frank Thomas, they, they're kind of like the Shaq and Charles Barkley of the baseball world of that analyst, that crew talk after big games. Yep. And they were all saying that they were super confused. You just got to attack them while they're down. You know, they basically gave the, um, the Rays another chance to get back into the series because, you know, you pitch Bueller game two, they're down 2-0, and then, you know, you get a day off, day off of rest, and then you can go with pitch May or something. Um, and, and so a lot of people are just questioning what Roberts did there, the Dodgers manager. Um, I don't think people are upset about it. I think a lot of people want the Rays to win. <laughs> but uh, they're just really confused why they let the, the Rays pretty much open the door for a, a a game two victory there, which they won. I think it was six four last night, and um, so yeah, that that made it interesting. So we'll, we'll see what happens game uh, game three, which will be Friday. Friday, okay. So. Tomorrow, uh, or I yep. guess tonight yep. when this comes out. I saw. I think it's is it Dustin May, the dude who's just got the red hair. He's just got a ton of hair coming out of his head. He kind of looks like Red Lightning a little bit. Yeah, I'm clown kind of. He was pitching um, last night. Yeah, they, he was. They they use him really. Oddly, if you if you stack up their their the the, um, the Rays pitching staff, their starters, their their top three pitchers, so it goes Snell or Glasnow is debatably the number one. We'll say Glasnow because he went game one. Um, Glasnow then Snell then Morton. I um, mean, compare that to the Dodgers uh, one two three guys. It, it's you. It's so hard. You might even have to give the Dod the uh, nod to the Dodgers there. It's uh, then you go Bueller or Kershaw, Bueller, and then May. Um, as you know, and that's what it's consistently throughout the year was. Well, the weird thing is, dude, they've been using May as a bullpen guy and, or or an opener, and so May's been coming out in the bullpen, and so now he's they screwed that up too. The Dodgers could have had a um, you know Kershaw pitch game one, Bueller game two, then May easily pitch game three on, on a ton of rest. But they used him in the bullpen last night. They were using him in the NLCS in the bullpen, and it makes no sense to me. I mean, I don't manage a, a major league team, so I. I have no idea what their theories are, and they, they probably got a message there. Yeah, you know, madness there. Yeah, that, that's what I would do. But yeah, May he's he's very good, and he's got to throw a hundred. And he's like I said, I'm confused why he's coming on the bullpen. He's been a starter all year, very good starting all year. So yeah, and, and what do, do you know what the stat is on how many how many World Series have the Dodgers been to in the last five? Is it four out of five or something like that? Yeah, I think it's um. It's three to four, I believe, and they ha- but they haven't won since '88. Um, okay. So yeah, they, they lost just keep to the, in the, in, in the <laughs> World Series. What's the reaction they do, and, and from the fan base if they lose again and it's the fourth loss in five years or whatever it is? Is the fan base just blown up then with the way this team and the way this series was managed? Yeah, I, I think that um, the first two losses when they lost to the Astros and the Red Sox, I think people are pretty set on, on the, the cheating scandals that lost them that series and they're okay with that and obviously that that's, if the Astros would beat the Rays it would have been a crazy World Series oh that would have been nuts but um, I think this is the first World Series where they're, they're set on like alright obviously they didn't know they were cheating the Red Sox or the Astros were cheating when they were playing them mm-hmm. um, but this would be a big deal this would be a big deal if they lost the Rays the Rays is the smallest market team in baseball Dodgers pretty much the biggest them and the Yankees um, and Joe Buck said the craziest thing the other night he's like I can't, it's not verbatim what he said. He's like, the Dodgers don't just spend money on their players. 
Yeah, I heard that actually. I was only watching for like one inning and I heard that too. He's like, everyone thinks the Dodgers just like spend a whole bunch of money, but they have one of the best form systems in the league. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I don't even follow the Dodgers. And I can, I just, I know that's not true. Dude, absolutely not. And this, this year, the prorated um, salaries, and that, that's where I was confused about the deal, and that's where we had the discrepancy. You were right. I was wrong. Um, since this shortened season, the raised salary, total team salary is 28 or 29,000, or 28 million. 28 sorry, million. 28, yeah. 29 million. Okay. Yep. And uh, the Dodgers are paying Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw that much money alone. Yeah. So that just shows it is David versus Goliath, and a long winded way of saying, I think Robert's uh, job would be in jeopardy. Their manager, I think, um, I think that'd be a huge, huge deal if the, if the Dodgers lost to the Rays. This is not not discrediting the Rays. Rays are, are a really good team, but I thought it was funny last time when we went through their starting lineup and we couldn't really name any of their guys. Like, yeah, we did that segment and we were like, yep. we'd go on there and name guys, and it's just it, it would be it would be a big deal. So, yep. I'm rambling now. I'm looking at the World Series. So they've been three of the last four for the Dodgers, uh, including this one. So if they lose this, then they'd have lost three of the last four World Series that they've been in. And, yeah, you would imagine there would have to be some changes in the clubhouse or the front office. Uh, And I don't know if they've done that in the past after other World Series losses, but you would imagine after losing three in four years, something's got to change. Yep, especially a team as talented as this team, I mean, they're an unbelievable team all around, regardless, you know, obviously they have, them and the Yankees have the highest payrolls in baseball, so money can buy you good things, I don't know what Joe Buck was talking about, they yeah. do have a good farm system though, but without that, you know, you don't just, you don't say that, but then get, you know, the 2018 MVP on your team, and then you gotta, then, and then next year too, they're gonna have to figure out what happens with Dustin May and Walker Buehler if they get to sign a big contract, so that, that, that was a stupid comment by him, but regardless, the, they, they can afford, if they can afford their guys there, they're going to be in the consistent World Series team for years to come. So if they lose this, I think regardless of who they have as a manager, I think they're going to get them there each year. So maybe maybe they get rid of rid of Roberts and bring in some guy who can finish it out because they're 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 they're, they're going to be the top dogs for years to come. They're one of the youngest teams too, which is scary. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. The Dodgers payroll is 100 and basically 108 million uh, this year, second highest behind the Yankees, like you said. So, yeah, $108 million versus $28 million, uh, and it's 1-1 after two games. Go Tampa Bay Rays. Do they have a chance yep. to win this series now, do you think? You know, that this was huge. I think everyone thought going in, like, and that's why everyone's so confused about the Walker Buehler thing. Um, I think it goes down 2 nothing. I think they maybe speak out one or two games, but there's no chance they win the World Series, the Rays. I think that it's a, they certainly have a chance. Um, I personally think the Dodgers are going to win probably and they're probably going to win the next two, maybe three. I, it, I don't, I don't think the Rays are going to win, but they certainly do have a chance. So that's what, so that, that makes it really interesting. I'm excited. Okay. So you're thinking Dodgers in five or six, huh? Yep. Yep. I do think so. I think the Dodgers realize they kind of messed up there and they're going to come back with some vengeance. So even like I said, I don't want to discredit the Rays. They're an awesome team, but and I enjoy them, and I want to see them win. But I just the Dodgers are too good. Yeah, and that was your pick when we when we first started out with the MLB playoffs. You were thinking Twins Dodgers. Obviously, Twins don't get out of yeah. the first round. Uh, and we were all kind of in the uh, same boat with you. But you got the Dodgers part right. There we go. Yeah, that's probably my first right pick ever. But I think that was <laughs> um, just from the go. There, they're just too too good, too deep, too talented. 
everything. They're just so good. So it'll be if the Rays win, I'll be happy as a clan, and it'll be one of the biggest upsets in sports history for a while. I that I haven't done research on that comment. I just came out and said it. So that's all right. It would be a huge upset. Yeah, that's all right. We'll we'll, we'll verify it. Uh, Wake and take style. Uh, so Zach, next week, come back. We'll recap the World Series, and then I think we should start new segment next week. You like that? I love it. Let's do it. All righty. Looking forward to it. Do we have a name for that segment yet? Ooh, no, not yet. Um, let me get let me get back to you on that one. Okay. Well, let's get a name by next week. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sweet. We'll do something with Ramble and Ricky in the name. Ramble and Ricky. Ramble and Ricky's talking points Ramble of the Ricky. week. Something like that. There we go. <laughs> all righty. Yeah, we'll figure all that out this week, and uh, we'll see you guys all next week. And day after day, I'm more confused. And I look for the light in the pouring rain. You know it's a game I hate to lose. I'm feeling strain. Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Won't you take me away? Yeah. Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you To carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away? Guitars coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your song. Oh, yeah. A rhythm and rhyme harmony. You help me along. Oh, making me strong Oh, give me the beat, boys And free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Drift away Give me the beat, boys free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Don't you take me away